of 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. Point nine Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul. Baruch Hashem, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Vo'eschanan, which is also Shabbos Nachamu, Tov Shin Peibes. Baruch Hashem, we've gotten through the nine days, through the three weeks, through Tishbab. I hope all of you had a very, very easy fast, uh, but I hope it was a meaningful and inspirational day. There's so much happening on Tishbav to move us and, and, and get us in a direction of change, of, of rehabilitation, of, of growth, of fixing up maybe some of the things that aren't so perfect in, in our own lives, in our own relationships with people, which may be some of the causes of why we're such in, in a, such a bad way, but now we've turned the corner. Nachmu, Nachmu, this is the week of comfort, and we begin our uphill climb to just over six weeks when we're going to stand before HaKadosh Baruch Hu on Rosh Hashanah, and there's lots and lots of work to do. Let's start right away with something from HaPasha. The Pasha says, V'ate Yisrael, and now, O Yisrael, Shema Lachukim Malamashpotim, listen to all the decrees and to all the ordinances, which I am going to teach you. Now we know chukim are mitzvahs which really defy human rationale. Mishpatim are mitzvahs whose reason, although maybe not stated, are sort of commonsensical and, and, and relatable. The Orachayim HaKadosh offers an incredible interpretation of Moshe Rabbeinu's appeal to the Jewish people. When Moshe Rabbeinu mentioned Chukim and Mishpatim, he was not referring to any one mitzvah of the 613 commandments. Rather, he was referring to two events which, on the surface, are unrelated to one another, although he demonstrates that they are actually very, very much connected. One event was Moshe's decision to strike rather than speak to the rock. Moshe intended to carry out Hashem's command with great fervor in the most expeditious manner. The second event occurred when Moshe failed to act against Zimri, Right when he flagrantly sinned with Cosby, this Midianite uh, a woman, he did not kind of energize himself to carry out the law that exhorts Kanoim Zilats to kill the perpetrator. As a result, Moshe Rabbeinu did not gain the merit of Kiddush Hashem, of sanctifying HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name, which would have uh, rectified his act of hitting the rock. In contrast, the the confluence was a failure to sanctify Hashem's name. The one, the act of Zimri could have been a tikkun, 
for what he didn't do by by Meimariva. The Rechaim posits that Moshe thought twice before acting against Zimri because he was discouraged by the consequence of the dynamic action he had taken against the rock. He thought to himself, acting with fervor and alacrity might have a disastrous aftermath. I will wait and, and kind of mold this over. Zealousness cannot be molded over. One must take immediate action or else it's no longer an act of zealousness. And the Besden must take responsibility of, of, of meeting out whatever the appropriate punishment might be. A Kanoi, a Zilat, sees an outrage and acts. Moshe's caution deprived him of reversing his earlier failure to sanctify Hashem's name. This is to what Moshe referred when he specified chukim and mishpatim. The incident with the rock can be likened to a chuk, a decree, since Hashem provided no reason to explain why speaking to the rock would sort of trump striking it. The effect should be the same. The story with Zimri may be labeled a mishpat, an ordinance, since Zimri's flagrant act of immoral perversion carries with it the 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 concomitant punishment of death by 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 Kanoim. And perhaps the two primary lessons to be learned here are number one: our leaders do not shy away from conceding an error. A leader assumes responsibility does not give excuses. Second, we see what can result from a alert, from, from altering a command or hesitating in carrying out the command. Obedience is the hallmark of a Jew. Our religion is all about subordination to the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not retreating to our own comfort zone. Unquestionably, our quintessential leader, uh, leader's error was in relation to his unparalleled, exalted level of spirituality and closeness to Hashem. Nonetheless, we should learn from it and apply the lesson to our own lives. This is 11.9 Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Every Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Vo'eschanan, Shabbos Nachmu, as we emerge from the three weeks and the nine days and all the mourning and all the challenges that we faced during that time, we now emerge free and Starting our climb, because, you know, in only less than seven weeks is already going to be, in fact, almost six weeks is going to be Rosh Hashanah. So we have lots to do, lots to speak about, lots to prepare for during, during that time. So what I'd like to speak about a little bit today is, as I say, we have a double beautiful thing this week. We have the Pasha of Pasha's Voschanan, and it's also 
the special haftira of Shabbos Nachamu of of uh, of of comfort, and <clears throat> perhaps we could find a way of putting those two together and learning some really really important lessons that will give us chizuk, that will give us energy, that will sustain us as we go as we go forward, right? So so because we have these these two duparshis, so. After we know it starts, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami Yomarakechem. Comfort, comfort, my people, says Hakadish Baruch Hu. And this, we know this is the first of the seven special Haftaris of, of consolation, what we call the Shiva Dinachemta, that are read between the Tishabov and, and Rosh Hashanah. And they really aimed at consoling Klaiso in the aftermath of the Churban of the Basin Mikdash, of the destruction of the Basin Mikdash. And therefore, it's quite fitting that we try to create some kind of connection <coughs> between the Aftarah and the Parsha, which opens with Moshe Rabbeinu's plea to enter Eretz Yisrael. When Moshe Rabbeinu says, V'aschanan Hashem, I implored HaKadosh Baruch Hu at that time saying, Hashem Elohim, <coughs> You've begun to show your servants your greatness and your strong hand. For what power is there in the heaven or on the earth that can perform according to your deeds and your mighty acts? Let me now cross and see the good land on the other side of the Jordan River, this good mountain and the Lebanon. And unfortunately, Hashem became angry with me because of you, and he did not listen to me. And Hashem said to me, it is too much for you. Do not continue to speak to me further concerning this matter. Rashi clarifies, what is the good Mountain, the good mountain, of course, refers to Yerushalayim. And the Lebanon refers to the Beis HaMikdash. So it's apparent that Moshe's appeal had a threefold purpose. Number one, to see Eretz Yisrael, the holy city of Yerushalayim, and, and the base, the base of Mikdash. Now, we're gonna show and, and perhaps shed some light on, on the subject by introducing the, the words of the, of the great uh, 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 Nata Shapira, who's, who we know as your site is, is actually this, this week. And the, which the, the, it was the 13th of, of, uh, of Menachem In his Sefer, the Megala Mukas on Vaschanan, he elucidates the opening Pasuk of Pasha's, of Vaschanan in 252 different ways. Equivalent, of course, to the numerical value of the words uh, Rav Loch, which are part of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's response to Moshe's heartfelt pleas. As the name of the Sefer implies, Migale Amukas, so he reveals to us very deep and profound and, and tremendous insights right, that contained 
within these 515, which is the Gmachia of Eschanan, 515 supplications that were formulated by Moshe Rabbeinu, the, which is, of course, it said the Gmachia of Eschanan, imploring HaKadosh Baruch Hu to permit him to enter the, the, the promised land and be within HaKadosh Baruch Hu's response, Ravloch, it is much for you. Do not continue to speak to me any further about about this matter. In in the Megal Mukos on on Vashanan, in his approach number twenty, he teaches us that Moshe Benu longed to enter Eretz Yisrael so that he himself would be able to build the Beis Hamikdash in a glorious an exalted manner. And this is implied in his plea. Hashem, Elekim, he uses the double atachilaisa. Hashem, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. Now the first letters of the words atachilaisa laharais spell out the word oihel, which is alluding to the tent of meeting, the, the mishkan that served as the kind of mobile sanctuary that moved from place to place with the people as they journeyed throughout the, the, the Midbar. With that non-fixed sanctuary, HaKadosh Baruch Hu demonstrated his greatness via all the miracles that he performed on behalf of Yisrael in the Midbar such as we know, the mon that came down from, from Shemayim, the clouds of glory, and of course, the well of, of Miriam. But now, however, as B'nai Yisrael approached the, the promised lands, the time had arrived to build the permanent, fixed base of Mikdash in Yushalayim. So Moshe appealed to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, please allow me to cross over and see the good lands that lies on the other side of the Yardin and the good mountain and the Lebanon. And as we said before, Hashem teaches us, he was pleading to see Yerushalayim and to build the base of Mikdash, to which the Almighty responded, no, Ravlach, it's too much for you. Don't continue to speak any further on this on this matter. The the Megala Mukas provides us with a wonderful, wonderful explanation as to why Maisha Benu chose to to describe the Basemikdash as Levanon, right? The Lebanon. Because this name can be broken down into two components. It could be Lev and Nun. Levanon could be Lev and Nun. Moshe was alluding to the fact that he wished to build the Beis Hamikdash that would encompass two types of Kedusha. The Kedusha of the Lev, 32, which is the 32, we know, paths of, of Chachma, and the Kedusha of the Nun, the 50, which is, we know, of course, the gates of, 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 of divine understanding. With this understanding, he interprets HaKadosh Baruch Hu's response to Moshe. No, Ravlach, don't speak to me anymore about this matter. In other words, the Gemara says, the Gemara in Saita uh, 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 tells us that the Rav uh, Chinina uh, explained, what's the shout in the post, it says, Rananu 
tzadikim b'ashem, the tzadikim praise Hashem, la'yishorim nova sila. So he says, don't read the word as nova tila, as, but nove, a, 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 a dwelling place of praise. And this is referring to Moshe and his generation that the, 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 uh, Goyim were not able to overcome what they, what they did. And by David, David it says, Tavu Baretz Shorel. Unfortunately, the, the house that David and Melech, uh, uh, built was unfortunately, uh, uh, destroyed. So we see that the handiwork crafted by Moshe and David were protected and immune to the enemies of Christ. So in fact, when the first place of Mikdash was built, the components of the oil moyed were hidden, right? It's, it's beams, it's hooks, it's bars, it's pillars, and it's sockets were all hidden away. They all, they all exist. The, the components of the Mishkan are still, are still, uh, are still around. Now we know that when the first place of Mikdash was destroyed, HaKadosh Baruch Hu visited his anger upon sticks and stones of the physical structure in order to spare Kaiso from annihilation. And this is taught, the Medrash, the Medrash tells us that, uh, uh, it says, a Mizmala Asaf, a song to Asaf, and the nations have entered into your, into your inheritance. So this is what they said to Asaf. HaKadosh Baruch destroyed the Beis HaMikdash and the Heichel and you are sitting around and, and composing songs? So Asaf replied, I am rejoicing that HaKadosh Baruch poured out his anger upon wooden beams and stones rather than upon Klaiso. This implies that had Moshe Rabbeinu indeed built the Beis HaMikdash, then that Beis HaMikdash would not have had the option of of visiting his wrath upon the sticks and stones, and it would have been something terrible for for Kai. So we'll come back in a moment. There's much, much more to discuss. It's 11.9 FM. The program is Soul to Soul. Please stay with us. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 1.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul, back on the radio air of Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Voschanan, Shabbos Nachmu, in Tav Shin Pei Beis. As I say, as we get ready to turn around and walk upwards and, and build ourselves up, as we get ready for Rosh Hashanah, we're talking about the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu so, so urgently wanted to build the, the Beis HaMikdash, and Hashem would not allow him. And we explained because a base of Mikdash that would have been built by Moshe Rabbein would have been on such a high level that even when the Jewish nation would have sinned and caused HaKadosh Baruch Hu's wrath and anger, Hashem would not have been able to destroy such a base of Mikdash. And therefore, God forbid, Hashem would have had to take out his anger against the Jewish nation and not against the building. Now, on Shabbos Nachmu, we read the words of encouragement in Aftarah, Nachamu, Nachamu, my people. And they are meant to console us for the Churban of the Tubatemikdash and the resulting Golos that we find ourselves in. So therefore, perhaps 
we can try to uh, present a, a bit of an uh, intriguing idea concerning the insight of this Megala Mukas. Remember, he asserts that Moshe Rabbeinu longed to enter Israel so that he would be able to build the base of Mikdash, which he referred to as Lebanon, because it encompassed the the, the Kedusha of the Lev, the 32 paths of Chokmah, and the Kedusha of the Nun, the 50 gates of, of Bina, of deep, of deep understanding. To explain this a bit, let's examine the those opening words of the Haftarah, which was said by Yirmiyo Anovi, Nachamu, Nachamu Ami Yomar Elokechem, Dabru, Alev Yushalayim, right? Comfort, comfort, he said, my people, says your God, speak consolingly of Yushalayim and proclaim to her that her period of Golas has been completed, that her sin has been forgiven, for she has received double for all of her sins from the hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Chazal expounds in, in the, in the Medrash by, by saying that they sin doubly, as it's written, Yushalayim has, has sinned a sin, right? And, and, and that's based on the fact that the Pasuk uses the word for sin twice. They were punished doubly, as it's, it's written, for she has received the, from the hand of Hashem double for all her sins, and they are comforted doubly. Comfort, comfort, my people, says HaKadosh Baruch So all the commentaries discuss at length the meaning of, of this statement, that they sinned doubly, they were punished doubly, and they are comforted doubly. Perhaps you perhaps better understand this statement by referring to yet another Medrash, where the Medrash says, what does it mean, Nachmu Nachmu comfort my people? Because the Pasuk mentions two bouts of, of weeping. It says uh, 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 that, uh, that she cries uh, uh, continuously. For it says, Bochay Sifke Balayla. It uses the, the, the weeping twice. And that's for the first bias and for the second bias. So therefore, the Pasuk says, Nachmu, Nachmu, twice, my people. In other words, the people wept twice over two separate Chorbanas. The Chorban of the Bayes Rishon, on the first place of Mikdash, and the Chorban of the Bayes Sheni, of the second place of Mikdash. And therefore, they're going to be consoled and comforted for those two Chorbanas at the time of the Geula, when the third base of Mikdash will Bez Hashem be, be built. So along the same lines, we can explain what is meant by the statement. What does it mean that they sinned, that they sinned doubly? So we, we, we learned that the first Besamikdash was destroyed because the people were guilty of the three cardinal sins, Avedizara, idol worship, immorality, and murder. And these sins were not prevalent at all. During the time of the second, of the second base of Mikdash, right? In fact, the people of that period engaged in Torah study and performed many mitzvahs 
an act of kindness. It was destroyed, says the Gemara, because of sinas chinam, what they call baseless hatred. This teaches us that sinas chinam is equivalent in severity to the three cardinal sins. Now, let's try to apply this to, to, to interpret the Medrash. So they sinned doubly. Number one, they were guilty of transgression of the three cardinal sins in the period of the first base of Medrash. And two, they were guilty of sinas chinam in the period of the second base of Medrash. And although Right, Yumiyo was was prophesizing about the churban of the first base of Mikdash in Megillas Echa. It's clear from the Medrash that we said before that the two episodes of weeping he mentions Bokhe Sifke relate in fact to both churbanas of both Batim Mikdash. So therefore, the Medrash goes on to say that they were punished doubly because they were held accountable for the sins committed during the periods of both Batimikdash. Then the Medrash concludes by saying that they will be comforted doubly. Why? For the destruction of both Batimikdash, right? With the building, of course, Be'ez Hashem, of the third Batimikdash at the time of the future Gula. And that's why it says, Nachamu, Nachamu. There'll be a, a, a comfort for, for both. And, and, and therefore, perhaps now we can join together and, and address the, the end of, of the Medrash. They're comforted doubly, as it says, Nachamu, Nachamu says Hashem. Now, at first glance, we have a difficulty here. Clearly, they were being punished twice. After all, we know there were two Chorbonas, but how does the third base Hamikdash constitute a double Nechama, double constellation? Similarly, it's a single huge constellation for the two previous Chorbanas combined. So in order to sort of understand this, so we have to refer to a, a statement of, of the Zayar, where the Zayah says that concerning the third base of Mikdash, the Pasuk in Tehillim, Kuf Mem Zayim, we say it every day, says, Boine Yerushalayim Hashem. The builder of Yerushalayim is Hashem. This indicates that it will not be built by man, but by HaKadosh Baruch himself. Furthermore, the third base of Mikdash will incorporate both of the previous Bata Mikdash. The second Beis HaMikdash will stand upon the ground in its full glory and splendor, in full view, while the first Beis HaMikdash will stand on top of it, concealed, like kind of clouds of glory surrounding and illuminating it. So let's now look at the end of of, of the Pasuk, where, where the Zayah quotes it by saying, Hashem. Hashem is the builder of Yishlaim. Nidche Yisrael Yechanes. The, the outcasts of Yisrael, he will gather in. In, in sort of keeping with the, the interpretation that we just presented, this implies that the third Besamekdish is going to gather in, in other words, incorporate the two Batemekdish, the outcasts that 
preceded it and were destroyed. In other words, the third base Mikdash is going to be all-inclusive. So, at this point, so we can now perhaps introduce an amazing, amazing insight from the, the Kedushas, the Kedushas Levi, where, where he says that the first Mikdash corresponds to the Torah Shebik Sav, the written Torah. And the second base of Mikdash corresponds to the Torah Shabal Peh. The Mikdash that will be built soon in our time, Be'ez Hashem, will be comprised of both of them. Now, undoubtedly, this notion is supported explicitly by the passage from the Zayar, which, which we said that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is destined to incorporate the first two Batar Mikdash in the third Beis Mikdash. So perhaps we can explain the, the, what the Kedushas Levi is saying based on, on the Medrash. The Medrash which says that the Torah's, uh, uh, Pasuk says that the Torah will come forth from me. And Akash Baruch said, a new Torah will come forth from me. This is a dangerous statement. It doesn't mean that there's going to be a, uh, that the Torah is going to, to change. What Akash Baruch what Akash Baruch meant was that according to, to, to the, to this forum, this means that in the future, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to reveal secrets of the Torah that the world was not yet worthy to receive until now. Right? And he saved them for the tzaddikim in, in, in the future times. So, we're familiar with the, the Gemara in Tainus that says that there's nothing that is not alluded to in the Torah. For all the interpretations, all the, the drushes, all the allusions, right, even the esoteric parts of Torah, Shabbat Peh, they're all concealed and stored in the letters, words, crowns, and, and a trop of Torah Shabbat Sav, which were given from HaKadosh Baruch They cannot be added to or distracted from. They can only be expounded with the 13 principles of, 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 of expounding that we were given by, by HaKadosh Baruch So this explains very nicely the structure of the future third base Mikdash, in which HaKadosh Baruch is going to incorporate the first two Bata Mikdash, the second base Mikdash corresponding to Teresh Peh, will be down below on earth. The first place Mikdash, corresponding to Torah Shabbat Sav, will stand above it. From the, from the, uh, first place Mikdash, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will illuminate and project the new, all-inclusive version of the Torah to, to the second place Mikdash below. In other words, Israel, down below on earth, will receive the, the light and the illumination of this new Torah with all the revelations that will emanate from, from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, let's, let's talk about this, the, the beauty of, of, of the Torah. Based on what we're saying now, so now we can begin to understand, uh, how we, under, how we explain the, the Gemara in, in Baba Kama, uh, Daf, Daf, uh, Daf Samach, where it says that 
Because the Pesach says, when a fire will go forth and find thorns, what does it mean, will go forth? So that implies it goes by its own. Yet the Pesach says that, the one who kindled the fire shall surely pay, which implies that there is someone who is actually igniting the blaze. Did it go by itself or did someone actually ignite it? Right? So this is in, in, uh, interpreted to the fire of the Yetzirah of, of sin and destruction that burned Yerushalayim. Rashi explains that even though we, through our, our virus, we caused the Churban, HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised to pay as if Hashem Himself ignited the fire. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, it is incumbent upon me to pay for the blaze that I kindled. I lit the fire in Sion. As the Pasuk in, in, uh, in Eicha uh, says, Vayad Right, which uh, and and which which consumed even its 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 foundations, and therefore I will build it again, right in the future with with fire, as it says, and I will be for it a wall of fire, a wall of fire around it, and and the glory will be will be in, in its midst. So therefore, the 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 way to understand this. Is the 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 Shinvarov says in 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 Divrei Yecheskel, quoting his his uh, quoting probably the the Yismach Moshe, he says that the time of the Churban, Hakadosh Baruch Hu elevated the two boys Mikdash to the heavens in a blaze of fire. It only appeared to those down below on earth as if they were actually consumed and destroyed in, in the fire. But actually, they exist, and they went up to Shemayim itself. And that explains the the statement of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch says, it's incumbent upon me. I have to pay for the fire that I kindled. I lit the fire in Sion. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu then elevated the two Bate Mikdash to the heaven in blazes of fire to prevent them from falling into the hands of our enemies. Therefore he concludes, and I will build it again in the future with fire, implying that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will return them both down to earth with a heavenly blaze of fire, one atop the other, as we said, as we described by 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 the Zayah. And and this goes sort of hand in hand, amazingly, with a statement from the Medrash that Rashi, both Rashi and Tosfos, uh, bring down in Masechah Sukkah, that the future Mikdash that we are awaiting will appear and descend from the heavens, fully built. As, as, as it says, Mikdash Hashem koinin liyadecha. A Mikdash Hashem that your hands have, have established. So we now really, really can, can put it all together because now we can actually shed some light on the statement of, of the Medrash that we quoted. They sinned doubly. As it's written, Yushalayim, uh, as Chet Chatoy Yushalayim, Yushalayim has sinned a sin.
as explained, this refers to the sins of the people during the time of the first base of Mikdash, we said the three cardinal sins, and the prevalent sin of the people during the time of the second base of Mikdash, which was, we said, Sinaschinam. And therefore they were punished doubly by having both Bate Mikdash destroyed. And they will be comforted doubly with the building of the third base Mikdash, which is going to contain both of the first two Basemikdash. And that's why it says, Nachamu, Nachamu. For there is no greater comfort and consolation to Yisrael for the previous two Chubanas than to see the first two Basemikdash contained within the third, the third Basemikdash. Right? So therefore, we can perhaps even, even, uh, embellish this thought a little more. Cause the, Med- the Midrash says on the words Nachamu Nachamu, cause the Pasuk mentions two types of weeping, right? Uh, a Sifke, right? That's for the first base of Mikdash and for the second base of Mikdash. Therefore, the Pasuk has to say Nachamu Nachamu, my people. And, and the way to put it all together is we mentioned earlier that that uh, uh, the, the pasuk that says "Shira Milas L'Shleima," "Shira Milas L'Shleima," if Hashem will not build the the uh, the the house, Shavam Lubayinu Lubayinu, anyone else who tries to build it will have labor in in vain. And, and note that. At the beginning, the word Yivne, he will build in the future tenses used. Whereas later in the same passage, it says Amoloi, they labored <coughs> in the past tense. So, uh, uh, the, 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 they explain that the world was incapable and not ready to receive the immense Kedusha of the third base of Mikdash. Therefore, it was necessary to pave the way for it with the the sort of respective Kedusha of the first two base of Mikdash. So this then is the message conveyed by Shlema Shlema Mela. Im Hashem lo yivne bayis, Baruch will not build a house, and it's absolutely preposterous and inconceivable to think that Hashem will not build the third Besamekesh in the future. Because if that was the case, then Shav Amlu Bainav by all those builders will have labored in vain. In other words, the existence of the first two Besamekesh will have been for nothing. Therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will undoubtedly build the third base of Mikdash in the near future, and it will be evident that the first two Batamikdash were merely preparations for the third base of Mikdash. Now, if we add the teaching of, of the Zayra HaKadosh, that the third base of Mikdash will contain the first two base of Mikdash, so the, and we put that all together with the Yismach Moshe, so the message is so powerful, right? The world was not capable of of receiving the phenomenal light of the of the of the new Torah of the Chidushim of Torah that is going to reveal at the time of future Gula. Therefore. He first instructed us to build him the first place of Mikdash, corresponding to the Torah Shbiksav, and then subsequently the second place of Mikdash, corresponding to the Torah Shbalpeh. Since the world has already been now illuminated by their incredible teachings, now the stage is set 
for the imminent building of the third Beis HaMikdash. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Voeschan and Shabbos Nachmo, as you prepare for another amazing and wonderful Shabbos, as we always do at this point on the broadcast, just to give you the important times that you need to know for this coming Shabbos. So... This afternoon, the earliest time for lighting your Shabbos candles will be at 4.37. 4.37 is already time to get it going. It's already after the sun is on its way towards its uh, setting place. And if everything's all all, all, all organized and you got all the food hot and everything in its place and you've showered and ready, get into the Shabbos, light those candles, bring the beautiful, beautiful, serene and calming atmosphere of Shabbos into your home early, already at 4.37. The latest time for benching lift, for lighting Shabbos candles uh, this afternoon is at 5.29, one minute before half past five. That is really your latest time. You've got to make sure that everything is ready, everything is in place, you're all dressed, the house is ready. In fact, if you're going to shul, you should actually be in shul already, have parked your car and be putting your keys away by 5.29, and then we really welcome in the, the, the Shabbos. Uh, Shkia is at 5.47. That's really sort of, as I say, injury time if you were really stuck in, in, in a desperate kind of situation and need that bit of extra little time. You have till 5.47. Shkia, which is definitely already full-fledged Shabbos. If you therefore want to uh, uh, daven Mayrev at night and not have to repeat the Krishna. 605 is all you have to do. Wait till then. And then you can have Marv and say the Krishna and fulfill one's mitzvah of having recited the Krishna at night. And then you're free to sit down, as I say, with family and friends and really just relax and, and chill and enjoy the most exalted and beautiful of, of Shabbos, Shabbos meals. Right, kind of secure in the knowledge that we are now, but we've kind of gotten out of the period of the three weeks, which is always such a worrying and kind of annoying period. No, no one's happy. There's an energy during that time, definitely, that is not such a positive energy. But now we've turned the corner. Today, in fact, is the special holiday of the fifteenth day of Ab, a very, very, very special day in 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 Judaism. And uh, many, many great things happen. Many miracles happen on the 15th of August. It's a, it's a day of great celebration, of great happiness, and a, of great optimism for the Jewish for the Jewish uh, uh, nation. Tomorrow is, of course, Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Voeschanan. We lay in Pashas Voeschanan, which is a beautiful and dramatic Pasha. It has within it the second version of the Aseris Adibus, of the Ten Statements, and later on contains actually the first parsha of the Shema, the Shema Yisrael and the Ahavta are in this week's parsha. So there's lots and lots of very important learning and to be done. And of course the Haftarah, this Shabbos 
is the first of the very seven, of the very special seven haftaris of, of comfort, of, of encouragement, of, of building us up to, to get back to Rosh Hashanah. And of course, this is the haftar of Nachamu, Nachamu, Amin, the double expression of, of comfort that HaKadosh Baruch Hu offers us as we just discussed in the previous, in the previous uh, segment. Please God. Tomorrow afternoon we'll be laning the we'll be laning the uh, second parak. Oh, sorry, no mistake. The third parak of of Perkyavas, Perik Gimel of Perkyavas. We'll be studying. Take the time during the afternoon as the afternoon already gets slightly longer to open a book, learn a bit of Musa, learn some of the Mishnayos, finish the Pasha. Make sure your Shabbos is used in the proper way that it needs to be used. Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night. At 19 minutes past 6, 6.19 is the end of, of Shabbos. And then we go into another beautiful, beautiful week of, of uh, progress, week of growth, week of learning Torah, week of success and whatever it is that we're, that we're doing. Please, please go on to all of us. We are sort of finishing up the laws of, of Havdalah. And the, uh, someone, if, if someone did not manage to make Havdalah, on Moitzi Shabbos over a cup of, of wine, whether it was due to some circumstances way beyond his control, let's say, I don't know, someone who was, uh, uh, in, 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 uh, in, in a place where he had no, absolutely no access at all to, to wine and, and the trappings of, of, of Havdalah, or even if he forgot to make Havdalah, even if it was wanton, even if deliberately, for whatever reason, he did not make Havdalah, according to most of the of the Shonim, the Rambam, and Taisus, a person is able to make Havdalah until the end of Tuesday, the end of the first three days of the week. Because we know the first three days of the week uh, are still connected to the previous Shabbos, and therefore, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you can make, you can make Havdalah. There are others who argue, and some will hold, and no, only on Sunday would it be possible to make up for a missed, for a missed, uh, Havdalah. And there's even a third opinion that says that even those who allow on, on Sunday, uh, only do so on the condition that our Moitzah Shabbos, he hasn't eaten. Uh, anything, because obviously we know we discussed that one is not supposed to eat before one makes one makes havdalah. So therefore, if you're pushing off havdalah on a Sunday, you really should not be eating amatzishabes. And and there are some who have the uh, custom to take that strict opinion into into account, and and only to make havdalah over a cup if for whatever reason they didn't do it on on matzoy shabbos. Only on, on Sunday, on the condition that they didn't eat anything on, on Matzah Shabbos. Practically speaking, the truth is that the opinion of most of the Poiskim is that if someone did not manage to make Havdalah on Matzah Shabbos, even if he did eat something on, on Matzah Shabbos, he can make Havdalah with a cup of, of wine until the end of Tuesday, till Tuesday night at, uh, at, at sunset. And that seems clear in the Shulchan Aruch and, uh, and the Ramah 
and the Mishnah Brura in, in Simon Reish, Reish Saritas. Now, this is obviously when we talk about still making Abdullah later, we're talking about making the bracha of Barapiyah over the wine and the actual bracha of Abdullah. But the blessing over the Besamim, over the sweet smelling spices and over the candle that we discussed, that you would only make if you're actually saying Havdalah on Maitzah Shabbos. Because it's only on Maitzah Shabbos that we need, A, to provide a little bit of, of comfort, a, a little bit of, of, of reconciliation for the, for the uh, Neshama uh, by, by having it imbibe the smell of the, of the Besamim. And also, even the, the blessing over, over the candle was only to be said at the time, as in commemoration of the time where HaKadosh Baruch Hu revealed to Adam the concept of striking two stones together and, and making fire, which took place on, on, uh, on Matzah Shabbos. And on Sunday, it's already too late to make either of those brothers. So if you miss the, the Matzah Shabbos deadline of making Havdalah, you could make Havdalah all the way up to Tuesday night, but all you would say is the brach of Bar Piyagafen and the brach of Amavdal, as you might do if you were making Havdalah on a Matzah Yamtav, but you would not include the bracha of a Besamim or the bracha over the, over the, uh, over the candle. Now, in the same way, we already discussed that it's actually a positive mitzvah to take some of the day before and after Shabbos, take a little bit of, of Friday and a little bit of, of Sunday and tack those on and add them and make them part of, of Shabbos, right, both by the entrance of Shabbos and also by the exit of Shabbos. Even there, it's a mitzvah to extend Shabbos a little bit. And therefore, one has to be so careful not to do any of the activities that are forbidden on, on Shabbos, uh, uh, even, even, uh, 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 a few minutes until, uh, until we know for sure that it's properly, that it's properly a, 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 a night. And only then, after, after we know it's properly night, would it be forbidden, as I would it be permitted, uh, for, by the Torah law, to do malacha even without, without making, without making haftalah. We're gonna come back with a few extra comments after the break. This is 11.9 Chayafen, the program of Soul to Soul, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, sold to soul, back on your radio as we conclude the laws of Havdalah. And we are saying that our Chachamim instituted that one is not allowed to do any work after Shabbos is over until we say Havdalah, either in the Amidah, in the Brach of Atachainin, or by saying at least Baruch HaMavdil Ben Kodesh Bless the Hashem, who, who, who distinguishes between that which is holy and that which is mundane. Now, only then can you do Melacha. And even Melacha, which is forbidden rabbinically, 
you may not do it until you actually say Havdalah. Now, because of the importance of the Havdalah over a cup of wine, Chazal tell us that it's forbidden to eat or drink from the time sunset on Shabbos happens until you've made Havdalah over a cup of wine. Water, which is not so important, that you would be allowed to, to drink. In fact, there's some of the, of the, of the Paiskim that even forbid drinking water before, before Havdalah. So, comes out that only after Havdalah, uh, are you really allowed by, by only allowed by, by a verbal Havdalah, are you allowed to do any kind of, of, uh, of, of work? But it's only after uh, making havdalah over a a cup of wine that you'd be allowed to eat and and uh, and, and drink, right? Um, when we uh, 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 make uh, zimun by sudashli shit over a cup of wine, according to most of the authorities, the person who led the zimun uh, can still drink from the wine even after benching, in spite of the fact that it's already after sunset, and it might even be already night. And that's because drinking the wine is a continuation of of the meal. And the same way as it's forbidden to someone who began his shalashudis before sunset, he's allowed to continue eating even after sunset, even after night, so too will be permitted to drink from the cup of Birchas Hamazan, uh, 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 after benching. However, there are others who hold, no, that since we're not usually, we're not so careful to make Havdalah over a cup of wine, that cup is not considered a continuation of the, of the Shalashudas, and therefore you may not drink it until you've made Havdalah. And those who follow this opinion, they sort of keep the cup of wine, uh, that they use for benching, until after Mayrev, and they'll say Havdalah over that same cup of, of wine. If you're in a, if you have at the, at the, Yosha Shudas, a bride and groom in the week of Shevabrachas, so since they, we are making the Shevabrachas over a cup of wine, therefore, you can even make a bracha over that wine, and the person leading the zimun and the chosan kala are allowed to drink from that from that uh, from that wine. Um, once it's ready night, you'd be allowed to make havdalah over wine even before you daven myriv. And then afterwards, when you daven, you would still say atochen antonu. Right, the person uh, who's making havdalah needs to remember not to drink. A, a revius of wine, because if he drinks a revius of wine, so then he's already considered, uh, 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 that he's drunk too much, and according to many, drinking a revius of wine already, uh, invalidates a person from, from davening, and you would have to wait. Anyway, our time is way up, and therefore, just a minute to wish you a amazing, amazing Shabbos. Beautiful, beautiful, comforting Shabbos. Nachmul, nachmul. Let's hear wonderful things. Let's share beautiful, beautiful events. And to each and every one of our radio family, a beautiful and geschmack good Shabbos. <laughs>